Boom! NBA trade deadlines in the books. We're on the road to the playoffs. My name is Rich Burfer, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Kevin Kacheri. Ogioras, lots to discuss this week. Marcus is a Raptor. Nikola yep. Mirotic is a Milwaukee Buck. He's a buck. Anthony Davis is a Laker. Wait, no, 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 no. no, no. no that's Mike Muscala. That's my awkward. best. That's oh, that's really awkward. Okay. Uh, hey. Tobias Harris <laughs> is, a, is a Philadelphia 76 76er. Yeah. Um. Oh my, Marjanovic! Come on, he can't oh, yeah, sleep on the guy. He's a goat. He's a 76er. He's got personality is for it, days. Is Anthony Davis a Laker? Yeah, no, 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 he's still down in uh, New Orleans. Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock. Yeah. Reggie Bullock. Yeah. Yeah. They made some moves. Dude, the Lakers are horrible right yeah. now. They got slapped the other night too. Yeah, well, the Lakers are looking rough. Yeah, yeah, but oh my god, I thought Anthony Davis was going to become a, a Raptor last uh, this time last week. But <laughs> anyways, um, lots to discuss. NBA trade trade deadline. We got the buyout market. Uh, the Raptors are doing some stuff. Uh, the Lakers are not doing anything. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, Kevin's boy, set a record today. Uh, was it today or was it yesterday? Today? Oh, no, it was yesterday. Yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Dude. It's gonna, there's gonna, it's just gonna be a fun episode. Oh, how are you sure. doing, boys? Kevin, how's it going? You know, a uh, little out of the weather, so excuse my, excuse me for not being as sharp as I usually am. Also, trying to survive in this uh, uh, post-apocalyptic NBA era right now. After all the trades that went down, it was absolutely crazy last week. So, just trying to survive. Ogie, how are you doing? You're a Raptor fan. Just yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing well. Listen, last week was overwhelming. Uh, still trying to navigate through some of these trades trying to you know figure out the rosters and where the power rankings are at but yeah it's an exciting time the all-star break is here when that ends you know pretty soon we're going to be uh you know in playoff territory so it's it's a good time it's exciting see that's this is what a raptor fan always says. <laughs> like you know you're a raptor fan when, when you, all you're looking forward to is the playoffs yeah i mean not about no i'm not talking about the playoffs you're talking about power rankings only fans like really buy into power rankings. Like you ask a Golden State Warriors fan, like whenever they're like losing a couple games and they're like third on power rankings, yeah. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know who else? You know who else cares about power rankings? Sports better, oh. right? You always want to see who's trending up, who's trending down, how teams are looking after the yeah. deadline. So this this is very true. Yeah. <laughs> but, let's get into the trade deadline and try to um, go through what actually happened the past week. Yeah. So. Um, Nothing happened with the Lakers. Nothing happened. With I mean, I mean, no. I think Lakers um, made some big. big yeah, they, they made some boneheaded moves. Yeah, smaller, minor moves. Yeah. I don't know. They made they made a couple weird moves. But, Two stars. Oh my god. <laughs> but let's let's focus on the East real quick because okay. the the powerhouses of the East were the ones that made the big splashes. Hundred percent. Chicago Bulls. We didn't do much. We got a lot of cash considerations, and yeah, we got Otto Porter. Porter. You guys got Otto Porter. You got to be excited about that right now. Why do we need him? Yeah, I don't. I didn't really get that. We're trying to lose. We're trying to lose, sure, but I mean, you got him for nothing. You gave up a head case in Bobby Portis and the ghost of Jabari Parker. I mean, he's yeah, you know. So if if nothing else, look, if he doesn't fit into your plans next year, you could trade him, and you could surely get a lot for him than what you gave for him. I think it's a great move. Yep. And now we're not going to talk about the Chicago Bulls ever again. Oh man, Milwaukee Bucks, Nikola Mirotic, big move. Memphis. Uh, gave away Marcus All to the Toronto Raptors for Jonas Valanciunas, yep. CJ Miles, Dylan Wright, and whatever draft pick. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Kevin doesn't have his laptop here, so there's no fact checking. There's going to be lies on this podcast. Everything's <laughs> off the dome right here. Um, Philadelphia 76ers, they got, they got Tobias Harris. Yep. They got Mike Scott. Yep. They got Boban Mar- Marjanovic. Ogi, which team looks the best coming out of the trade deadline? Let me preface that by saying that all three of the of the teams you mentioned uh, are improved. I think mm-hmm. if I had to choose one, uh, after watching that game against the Lakers yesterday, I had to say the Philadelphia 76ers. Thank you. Uh, they they look good, man. That that starting five is loaded. Seriously, mm-hmm. after after I think Golden State, that has to be the second best starting five yes. um, in in the NBA. And they have everything. They really do. They have length. They have they have shooting. Right. They have size and Embiid. They have some. You know, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris are good two-way defenders. So is Simmons. They have everything. And on top of that, you know, everyone will point to Tobias Harris and the starting five. But what's the weakness been of the 76ers all year? It's their been- lack of depth, their bench. Yeah. They've addressed that and then some, right? You have Marjanovic off the bench. You have Mike Scott. They picked up James Ennis. They picked up Jonathan Simmons. 
uh, add add uh, TJ McConnell to that. So that and Furkan Korkmaz, that that's a that's a strong strong team. I think you know at post deadline now, looking at the power rankings, I mean the the teams are close really. There, there's it, it, you're splitting hairs between three. It really could go either way. Um, but if I had to choose one right now, I'd, I'd probably say the 76ers are looking like the most improved and perhaps like the favorites to come out of the East. That's it's, it's iffy, you know, it's like I said, we're splitting hairs, but the 76ers are looking great. Are you in the same boat? I'm 100% with Yogi, 100%. The whole time I was just getting hyped by whatever, whatever you were saying, because it was so accurate. Best team out of the East right now, 76ers. I am disappointed in Toronto Raptors. You guys have made more moves then. Dude, we got you you moved Malachi Richardson for cash consideration. Okay, no, no. Before that, 76ers, uh, by getting Toby, the shortest guy on the starting lineup is 6'4 in J.J. Reddick. They have so much hype on that. And getting Toby, so I'm sorry, Tobias Tobias Harris. I don't know you like that. Toby and Bobby show, that's what you're referring to, aren't you? (laughs) Tobias Harris. uh, He's a guy who can create plays for himself. He can run the pick and roll well. He can spread the floor if he has to. And no, it just made that team a whole lot better. Okay, but here's my question with uh, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, I I didn't watch the Laker game when Philadelphia slapped them. But I did watch that one highlight of LeBron James playing defense or lack thereof on Ben Simmons. Okay. And here's the thing. Here's my question with Philadelphia. Jimmy Butler needs the ball. Yeah. And, he, and when he's a pri- and he's a primary ball handler. Mm-hmm. So when he's a primary ball handler, what like what does Ben Simmons do? You know, like here's here's the thing with um, I think what the Raptors did with getting Marcus Gasol was really really good mm-hmm. because if the Raptors play Philadelphia in the playoffs, they match up really really well with them. I think Marcus Gasol can, is a really good matchup for Joel Embiid. I don't know. I, yes, he is. Dude, Marcus Marcus is a former defensive player it's of the year. He's a really good defensive player, yeah. and he matches up well with Joel Embiid. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is going to match up with uh, Jimmy Butler. Okay. Tobias Harris is going to match up with uh, Pascal Siakam. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah. Danny Green is going to match up with uh, J.J. Redick. Yeah. And if – I mean, I'll take Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry because here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Ben Simmons is staying outside mm-hmm. behind the three-point arc, like he's useless. And if Jimmy Butler is the primary ball handler, the Raptors can double-team guys and shag off of Ben Simmons, you know? So, like, when the playoffs happen and, like, teams become more prepared mm-hmm. and they, like, there's more scouting reports, teams, like, they get, like, massive booklets of how to cover the other team. Like, that's kind of the same thing with the Raptors last year. Like, the Raptors' offense was super predictable last year with DeMar DeRozan, but they were scoring at a torrid pace during the season. But then in the playoffs, when teams get more prepared, they know how to shut down DeMar DeRozan. That's what I'm kind of afraid of when the Philadelphia 76ers get to the playoffs. It's the fact that you have two primary ball handlers, and when Jimmy Butler dominates the ball – Ben Simmons is literally the worst player in basketball. Well, let, let me let me kind of respond to that. I, I think, look, this is this isn't the old Chicago Bulls where Jimmy Butler was the primary scorer, the primary facilitator. He now finds himself on a team with with basically four all stars. So yeah. a a he can't be as ball dominant as he once was and as he wants to be. He's had to buy in, and and, and yeah, kind of along those lines. I guess one of my concerns when they acquired Harris was chemistry and how it would sort of they look great on paper but it's kind of another question how they would look uh, on the floor because remember uh, Jimmy Butler was complaining about touches not mm-hmm. too long ago Joel Embiid was complaining about where he gets the ball and now you add you know Tobias Harris another 20 point a game scorer who was yeah. the guy in the on the Clippers now you know coming here being the third fourth op- third fourth option you have to wonder about chemistry mm-hmm. um, I know it's a small sample size you know we've had what two games yeah. Yep. To, to evaluate them on, but look, and, they've looked. They've looked awesome. I mean, the ball movement's been great, and they look, there's no Wilson Chandler anymore, right? You have you have Ben Simmons, um, and surrounding him, you have really three really good three point shooters, and Joel Embiid, who's yeah. solid at making threes as well. So even if Ben Simmons, you know, yeah, sure, teams could sag off of him, but remember, he's the facilitator on that team. 
So Andy likes to push the ball in transition, but that I'm less concerned about that just because there's no more like Wilson Chandler's in the lineup. Mm-hmm. He's surrounded by four elite shooters. So sure, you could seg off of him a bit, but you can't seg off of anybody else. No, Hell, you can't. You can't give JJ Redick a centimeter, right? That guy, no. that guy makes contested shots all the time. So I I like what I see from the 76ers. I really do. Um, uh, Brett Brown is not that great of a coach. I think that's honestly their biggest weakness right now is his, you know. Uh, game planning and 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 play calling, but the team itself and how they've sort of you know bought in and looked so far and and it, it looks good, really does. So far, it looks good. But okay, I'm gonna throw this over to Kevin. But here's the thing: small sample size, only been two games. Mm-hmm. Like there were times against Denver, Denver when I mean you you might have thought that hey they might lose this game. Um, I don't really look at the Laker game as anything. The Lakers are a horrible defensive team. Like um, yeah. Like it, they're a really, really bad defensive team. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing: you, you say that Jimmy Butler has to adjust, but at the same time, like Jimmy Butler still needs the ball in his hands a lot to be, a, like he's he's also a big ISO guy, right? And like the second he becomes an isolation player, like teams can defend that pretty well, you know. And at that point, like, what does Ben Simmons do? Like in the playoffs, I, I have a feeling like. Like you said, I don't really like Brett Brown with that team. Um, I'm still not that high on their bench. Like TJ McConnell, he's okay. TJ McConnell is I okay. I love TJ's heart. Um, who else is on? Mike Scott, I actually like the pickup. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good. Yeah, he's, he's a wrestle player. He's a stretch forward and yeah. shoot threes. Yeah. And like historically, he's been really good against the Raptors for some reason. Um, <laughs> but I mean, who cares? Uh, who else is on that bench? James Ennis, uh, Korkmaz, Marjanovic. Yeah, I'm not going to remember the guy's name. But James Ennis, like, he's okay. He's a, yeah. he's a decent player. I just think the Raptors match up really well against them. Like, what do you think? Okay, so um, I'm not sure if you guys saw the last game against Lakers, but um, I, LeBron, he plugged the paint the whole game pretty yeah. much whenever he was matched up against Ben Simmons, uh, which led to a point in the second half, early in the shot clock, yeah. Ben Simmons pulled up for a three-point shot. Missed. But he pulled it up, pulled up for yeah, it. I take that every yeah. time. No, 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 no. But you got to take it. Brett Brown was also talking about the fact that on the second half of the year, yeah. he wants Ben Simmons to take more shots, get more comfortable with it. Even if that means getting shooting coaches or whatnot, that's something I'm sure he can develop over time. He's not comfortable with the shot right now, which is why he's not confident in taking it. Also, uh, the post game conference where, um, who was it? Uh, JJ Redick and Joel Embiid were yeah. talking about it. They loved it. They loved the fact that he pulled up for the shot. Even yeah. if he missed it, they loved the shot just because yeah. over time, you're, you're going to, when you test the water, but, yeah, but over time, that won't be in the playoffs. Like if Ben Simmons is taking jump shots for mm-hmm. Philadelphia in the playoffs, I'm taking whatever team is facing Philadelphia all day. No, no. I, I Once he gets comfortable with it, it's I, not going to be I, a playoff. No. I'm sure he can develop it by then. No, you can't develop. You can't go from going being shoot zero for percent. Five. He's not going to shoot 20%. I think he can shoot Dude, 20%. Have you seen this to. guy shoot a three? It, looks, it didn't look bad the last game against Lakers. I saw the shot. It actually did not look bad. The form but was pretty even, proper. But here's the thing. Even if he's 20% from three, mm-hmm. I'd rather like get away from the three-point line and dare him to shoot that three instead of having them like run a different type no, of play. But right now, being at 0%, I'm 100% confident sagging off. Because I, when, even, when I play ball in high school, I sag off if I know that guy has no shot. Even if he's at 20%, I'm 100% going to no, sag 20%, off. No, 20%, I'm yes, not sagging off as yes, much I as am. I know 0%. Yes, I am. Because oh. here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. In today's NBA, mm-hmm. teams are about, what, 45% from the field? Yeah. So from I, the field, yeah. From the yeah, field yeah. Per, for, per, for, for the game, yeah. right? And I let's say they're forty percent from three for the game. Mm-hmm. So if I have a guy stepping behind the three point arc and he's shooting twenty yeah. percent on a season, I'd rather take my chances with him taking a twenty percent shot than Philadelphia running a play Richard. and a forty five percent chance of them scoring. Yeah, Richard, look, look out west. Look at the Warriors. Draymond Green, awful, awful mm-hmm. shooting performance this year. Yeah, he's, he's been brutal from three. He can't shoot mid range. Yeah. He is just a facilitator, and yeah. I think that's that's kind of what the 76ers are looking for. They're they're not they don't need him to shoot the ball. They don't need him to be a perimeter threat. They need him to push the ball in transition. They need him to drive, penetrate. You know, create shots for others. Post up. He's good posting up. So he's not your prototypical, you know, point guard in a sense. He's he's a he's a 
He's a unique player. They, they don't need him to be a shooter. Would it help? Sure. But when you're surrounded by three elite shooters and one above average uh, big man shooter, I mean, you're fine. <laughs> I, I get I get that. But now you're comparing an elite offensive system in Golden State to Philadelphia that just doesn't have that same system. Sure. Like, like, sure yeah. Three, Some of the are not are not at the Warriors level. No? But if you compare, to some extent, you know, Curry, Durant, Thompson, elite shooters. Right, yeah. Redick, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, good shooters, good long-range shooters. They don't have the fluidity of the Warriors, but spacing isn't an issue, right? If you have one below-average shooter, it's it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I, I understand that, but like, if you have spacing, you need fluidity. Like, if if a team's not fluid in their offense, like you can defend that. Well, I mean, Again, it's early. early it's also right very now. early. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. Let's just see how this plays out. Yeah. Before we can speak more on it, but I, I genuinely think. Adding to uh, Tobias Harris over there is the best thing. Yeah, done. for honestly, JJ Reddick has benefited the most out of it. Have you seen yeah. the past two games? Killing it from the three point line, mm-hmm. just because of yeah. the spacing that opens up for yeah. him right now. And like, and, and while we're on the 76ers, I mean, I, I have to give them credit. Their front office, because this is what going all in looks like. Yeah, yeah. you know, they, you trade away Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they gave him plenty of opportunities and and when you're at the stage that they're at right where they want to win now they want to contend now i mean they don't have time to wait around for him to you know mature and and figure himself out they moved him right they're bringing in tobias Harris. they're trading away some draft picks you know giving away some important resources they i mean they gave a very big one uh in the form of that miami heat protected i mean that that's a huge huge trade because the heat the heater trending in the wrong direction i mean i think it's a pick in two years so yeah, I yeah. could I could I could see that being like a top five pick. I really can. That's that's a huge and and I know we're you know we're not talking about the Clippers right now, but from the Clippers perspective, I like the trade even more. So it was kind of a win win. Yeah. Um, this is what a, this is what it looks like when a team goes all in and wants to contend this year. Mm-hmm. And I wish the Raptors could have done a little bit more because I think Philadelphia did brilliant. Like, but okay, yeah. Here, here's the thing. I agree with you. I think in that Clippers Philly trade, the Clippers got exactly what they want, and Philly got exactly what they want. For sure, Philly wants to win now. Clippers want to win in five years, and that's and like that trade benefited the both of them. Yeah. But here's the thing with Philly. Um, you can call me crazy, but in my mind, I feel like if they, if the 76ers didn't initially make that Jimmy Butler trade and held on to Covington. And Dario Sarge, oh my god, Kevin's taking off his glasses. Gonna He's going to be upset. Uh, I think the the 76ers would have been a better team if they held on to Robert Covington and Dario Sarge. <laughs> and here's my thought process. Here's my know. thought process. Because if you did, if you did, at, like, you know, exa- like, here's the thing with Milwaukee. You know exactly what everybody's role in that offense is. I don't know the exact role of everyone in the Philly offense. Score. Yeah, uh, let me let me say this. Wait, 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 wait. But here's the thing. Say they never made that trade, but made this trade for Tobias Harris. Yeah. Your starting lineup is Ben Simmons facilitating and dominating the ball. JJ Redick at the two. Mm-hmm. Well, positionless basketball, whatever. <laughs> uh, Robert Covington is is on the starting lineup. You have Tobias Harris, yeah. and then you have Joel Embiid who can mm-hmm. set screens and shoot as well. And then off the bench, you have Dario Sarge coming up, who can shoot. Um, you, you're going to have Mike Scott as well, a big man who can shoot. You have TJ McConnell, who can facilitate. He can break down defenses and kick the ball out to his shooters. Like, I think the main thing with Philly right now is they just don't have enough shooters. Like, I don't think Jimmy Butler is an elite shooter. Tobias Harris has been a really good shooter this year. J.J. Redick is an elite shooter. I just, like, the bench, there's no one that's an elite Furkan, Furkan Korkmaz is a good shooter, man. He's he's a, he's a he's a elite three point threat off the bench. Mike Scott can make shots. He can make. I I guess, but like, and do you see what I'm like? Do you kind of see, see what I'm talking about? I honestly have no idea. I think what it, uh, Furkan's three point percentage is. He's shooting thirty three percent from three. Okay, that's not bad. No. Um, but like, do you do you see my point? Uh, where I think I think the Sixers could have been a better team with Robert Covington because I think Robert Covington is a very undervalued player. He's like the ideal three and D guy, and if Robert Covington was still there, like everyone's role would just be so defined. There wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, let me go ahead, Kevin. So the, I think the main reason why Jimmy Butler was brought over there is just you need that guy in the final few seconds exactly. to 
Exactly. And that's Jimmy Butler. Robert Covington is not going to do that for you. But I, but here's the thing. In the final few seconds. Yes. So does that mean you draw up good plays and have and run good fluid plays like all game and then at the very end in the last few seconds yes. you have to go isolation? Why? That's, what every, that's what everybody does. That's no. what Kevin Durant does. That's what LeBron does. That's what James Harden, James Harden does. That's what these good teams do. That's exactly how it works. I understand that's what good teams do. But – that's not how it should be. Like you, I think you should take high percentage shots all the time. Yeah, you shouldn't. <laughs> you, you like you shouldn't be running a like. For example, if the Golden State Warriors have the most fluid offense of all time, so if they're running the most fluid offense of all time for forty-seven minutes and then go into isolation basketball, counter in the last thirty seconds, no, keep running the same fluid offense. Keep getting the best open shot available. You know, instead of isolating and taking a bad percentage shot, I don't want that. That's like that doesn't make sense to me. Why, in the most important part of the game, you take the worst possible shot? Because that's all you're left with. No, there are games where you're down one point. Yeah, right. You have 0.4 seconds left on the clock. If you have 0.4 seconds on the clock, you're not. That's not even isolation. That's a catch. And shoot. That's a catch and shoot, and that's what Jimmy Butler does. That's what Kevin Durant does. That's what Steph Curry Dude, does. T- Kobe. All those guys, that's what they do. Yeah, but I don't Robert Covington is not gonna do that for you. Yeah, and I look before the before the trade, Here's before the, the Jimmy, before the Jimmy Butler trade, yeah. Who takes who who in a in an important game, who who's taking the shot for the Philadelphia 76ers? Who do you give the ball to? You can't give the ball to a big man. You don't you don't see post ups in the last Here's the thing. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is not a reliable guy whose ball you want the hands in. They got Jimmy Butler because he's Jimmy Buckets. He makes clutch shots in the fourth quarter. And when it comes down to crunch time, Jimmy Butler is known around the league. It's one of the more clutch players. Okay, so you believe in cl- you believe in clutch. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. You no, I don't believe in clutch because clutch is no you clutch is BS. Kobe was clutch. one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, and I'm Michael sure, and I'm sure, one of the I'm sure Kobe of still shot like like here's the thing. In my mind, I want the best shooter taking the shot when it matters, and I want my coach to set up a play to give him the best available shot. Like if it's between Kobe Bryant and Steph Curry at the end of the game, I want Steph Curry to, taking that last shot because Steph Curry is a better shooter. Yeah, but Rich, here's, here's the thing. I mean, the, the game changes in the final minute of the game. You can't, you can't. It's, the game changes. Teams, teams send, teams send doubles at you. Teams. I'm a team schemes completely change in the last minute of the game. You want the ball in your in a player who can sort of make things happen, right? If a double comes, he knows what to do. If a you know pick breaks down, he knows what to do. And if he's forced to take a bad shot, right? Th- that's who's you, you don't want the ball in someone's hands who, who can't do that. So that's okay. the Jimmy Butler, that's the Jim Harden's those kind of players. Jimmy Butler the ball all game and make him make him just no, tell him, no, yo, no. make stuff happen. Here's the ball. Yeah, because you're gonna... surrounded because you're surrounded by a loaded lineup and he you, you, you don't need to do that. That's the point. You're exactly. surrounded by a loaded lineup. So in the last minute, use that loaded lineup. Find a good okay. shot. Okay, okay. Last minute with uh, uh without Jimmy Butler there, okay? Who are you giving the ball to? Without Jimmy Butler, yeah, there? free Jimmy Butler, Philly uh, Philadelphia that, Sixers. That depends on what kind of play you're running. Oh if no, no, no. Point four seconds. No, no, there no, no. Point four seconds. Who are you giving it to? I'm giving it to my best shooter, JJ Reddick. JJ Reddick is getting blocked. JJ Reddick can't create his own shot. Yeah, he's dude, a catch and shoot. Dude, in point four, well, you said point four seconds. Point four sh- seconds is catch and oh, shoot. Like dude, last twenty or something. Yeah, but here's why he's not he, a duke anymore. Would, but here's the thing: why would he get blocked if you run a good double screen and 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 open him up? He's gonna have a good shot. It's all about what kind of sh- shot you set up out of the timeout. Like for example. Last last few seconds of a Raptor game, you want Kawhi Leonard getting the ball, right? Yes. Right? Kawhi's clutch. Okay, whatever. That's why. Wait, Ogie, <laughs> okay. I know what Kevin wants. Ogie, you want Kawhi Leonard getting the ball with 15 seconds left and team down one, right? Uh, he, so, far, so far this season, he has not been good in those situations. Do you know why? At all. Okay, for example, uh, in, with, with the Spurs, with the Spurs, he was good in that situation. So far this year, he hasn't been, and I'll tell you why. It's because it's too predictable. It's because they've gone to that repeatedly, and that's on Nick Nurse, right? He hasn't diversified the offense enough in those situations. Um, the one time, right when Pascal, you guys remember against Phoenix, Pascal 
I don't think Leonard was playing that game, but Pascal sort of drove against his defender, made a layup, won the game. Why? Because nobody was expecting it. And that's the that's the beautiful thing, right? Yeah, you have Jimmy Butler. Yeah, you have Kawhi Leonard. They'll get the ball in most cases because they've earned that. Um, but you do need other options. And when you do have a, you know, a Siakam who could drive or a Danny Green who could, you know, come off a screen, hit a shot. Same thing in Philly. Sometimes you could maybe post up and beat. Other times you could set up Redick. A lot of the time the ball will go to Jimmy. It's it's you know, having options. Ogie, okay, now you're being a hypocrite. Like that that was super hypocritical. No, you said not. you want the in the last minute you want Jimmy Butler to have the ball. But now you're like, well, not Jimmy, every time. Not well, every time because it comes it becomes predictable then. Yeah, <laughs> you want to diversify your offense. In, in a lot of cases, you'll the, give the ball to him, but not every time. I guess. But here's the thing. Like, what's wrong with just setting up for the best possible shot in the last minute? Like you have a coach, not to be like, here's the ball, do something. As a coach, you ha- like here's the thing. Percentages still exist. It's still the same basket. Like, I, here's the here's why I don't believe in clutch. Because if Kobe Bryant is a forty percent field goal uh, shooter from the field, and he takes two hundred shots, let's say two thousand shots in the season, mm-hmm. by the end of the season, he's still going to be right around forty percent because that's the type of shooter he is. Okay. So if he takes like two thousand shots in the clutch, he's going to make about forty percent of them mm-hmm. because that's the type of shooter he he is. So why wouldn't, as a coach, do your job, run, run them, like put together a good play on paper? I know I'm not going to win this because you guys are stupid. Oh, this boy! Like, you guys no, are. You're, you're you're being you're not you're not being practical, man. Yeah, you're not no, being practical. No, 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 not at all. No, 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 no. I am really rattled right now. Because, you were talking about you being rattled. Oh, I'm, I am, unleash me soon. <laughs> but. but like, I don't understand. Why would you rather have Jimmy Butler take the final shot because he's the guy, he has the clutch gene, okay. when you literally have one of the best shooters in NBA history in J.J. Redick, and you could probably run a really good play for him if you're a good coach. You know who had um, J.J. Redick last year as well? Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers. You know how they lost the last game? By two points. But yeah, And, who took and the they last had game? the ball. Yeah, and it took the last shot. I, I I don't recall that, but they had Here's the last the thing. shot. Like Philadelphia, like JJ Reddick could take the last shot. It could be an open shot and he could miss. That's mm-hmm. totally fine. But the point is, you put yourself in the best advantage in the best situation to score. No, see, there are only a few coaches in the history of basketball who can drop that play where the player is supposed to be where they need to be. Players also forget in the clutch moments where they are supposed to be just because of the yeah. amount of pressure that's in them. But here's Brad the thing. If, Stevens, if you forget, Brad you Popovich. shouldn't be on the court. No, no. The, oh. Look, let, let's, let's move on. But the fact is the game changes. The game the game really does change. You know, it's in, in theory, it sounds great. Let's set exactly. up a play. Sometimes that works. It really does. Sometimes it works. But more often than not, you, you get a broken play, what you're trying to run, the other team sort of sniffs out quickly and you can't, and then you have to show some initiative, right? You have to go with the flow, and that's when you give the ball to your star player at the top of the yeah. three-point arc and tell him, go, create something. Either penetrate, kick it out, get to the rim, draw foul, do something. And that's that's what the – long story short, that's what the 76ers didn't have prior to Jimmy Buckets that they have now. That's why they brought him in. Yeah. That's the only reason <laughs> – yeah, and, uh, I, I don't think this year itself, clutch moments. Jimmy Butler has performed. Yeah, I, see, here's the thing: the difference is you guys <laughs> believe in clutch, and I don't. How do you now believe in clutch? Because there's literally no scientific paper out oh there that proves God. it. You dude, need science. You, you, you're Just trying to watch dude, you're basketball. Trying, I'll give you. T- listen, here's here's your. You, you mentioned there's no definition. I'll give you a definition. No, Robert Ori. No, I that guy made that like. A, Literally, so dude, many clutch shots. And when you have it, you have it. Dude, I know, I know what the definition of clutch is. I just mean there's no actual proof out there of a player being clutch. Ogie just hit you with a fact. Yeah, Robert Ori made shots, and that he was and re- at the, shots. yeah. I understand, but at the end of the day, it's all really luck. Like oh. it's, it's luck that those went in. They, they, you couldn't, you could have missed it. You no, couldn't yeah, missed it. luck. No, I. Uh, this isn't one or two shots, man. This is. Yeah, the, I know. yeah but how many Robert Ori's do you know? Uh, Carmelo. There's more than you. I mean, Kobe was as clutch as they come. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, oh my God. Okay. Lou, Will, Lou Williams has had a good record of hitting. Hey, you, you guys, you guys just waste some time. Talk. I'm gonna Google up some stats. I want to see no, Kobe Bryant. I honestly clutch. don't understand what you mean by there's no clutch. If you grew up watching basketball, you'll know that there is clutch. When uh, LeBron James, one of his younger years, when he was playing against uh, Boston Celtics, 
the final few seconds, he hits that shot. Okay, he win. here we go. Here oh, we go. Uh, yeah, okay, Ogie, what do you consider good in the clutch? Give me a field goal percentage. Say under 10, sec- under 10 seconds left in a postseason game. It's game seven. What, per- what percentage? Yeah, give me a good shooting percentage. 10, 10 seconds left, and you're getting the ball. I mean, 45, 50%. Like, if you're, if you're making – I think if you're making more than half of clutch shots, you're doing well. Kobe Bryant in the last 10 seconds of a postseason game is 5 for 22. Oh, 47 is not bad. 5 for 22 oh, no. is 23, 23%. 23 isn't bad. 23 is horrible. No, but that's postseason. Also, regular no. season, he was hitting clutch shots. Dude, Dude, those teams, it was bum-ass guys on those teams half the time. It was. But but if a team is shooting forty five percent from a game for mm-hmm. the game, and you're taking you're giving a guy a shot, an ISO shot when he's five for twenty two, it's not good, even if it's Kobe. I don't well, know. The the fact of the matter is, you want the ball in your best player's hands at the end of the day. Yes. And but, and you live and die with whatever happens. You know, you give the ball to your best player. Yes. Or you win. I feel you like win, you lose. Thing. You know. I feel like that's the safest thing for dealing with the media after. Like when you, when you're a head coach and you go deal with the media after a game and you're like, I gave Kobe Bryant the, the ball with 10 seconds left and we were down two. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. I'm going to give him the ball. And he's going to, because like that saves you as a coach. If you set up a play and find like, would you rather JJ Reddick take an open shot or Jimmy Butler take an ISO shot? But like, AJ Reddick does not get open shots, man. If, if he does, it's rare. If he does, great. But you got to understand, in in those kinds of moments, plays break down all the time, right? You're left with yeah. the defense sniffs it out. You're oftentimes you're left with. I mean, it happens literally on a nightly basis. So, yeah, at I, the end of every single close game, I understand. I understand, but if you can set up like using screens, would you rather like drop a play of like? Here, give Jimmy Butler the ball in isolation, have him on top of the key and just figure something out? Or with 15 seconds left in the game, you're going to try to get J.J. Redick the, the ball in a good high percentage shot. What, which one would you rather have? Not just isolation Jimmy Butler or open J.J. Redick? Like, I, I, like I, I understand you said like he's not open often, mm-hmm. but that you have to try to draw up a play to open and the you play. Yeah, and you do that sometimes. That's the beauty of... Teams like the 76ers, you have those options. Yeah, Sometimes but- you can go to it. Other times it won't be there. Other times you'll go to something else. That That's what your coach is. That's what you do during timeouts. And if it breaks up and if it's if what you were looking for isn't there, you go to a pick and roll with your best and best player and, you know, what happens, happens. Yes. We got to talk some Toronto yes. Raptors. <laughs> I have- the Raptors yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you're on my page on this one. I need somebody with some common sense to talk to once in a while. Thank you. <laughs> Are you trying to have two co-hosts on this podcast? <laughs> um, okay, we got it. We we got to talk some Raptors, or our boss isn't going to be too happy. Okay, the Raptors got Marcus All. Yeah, they got rid of like half their team, yep. so they have what like seven active players right now. But mm-hmm. signed Jeremy Lin. They got uh, who was the guy? They Chris got Ben, ben McLemore. No, yeah. that 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 uh, that's not happening anymore. They didn't come to terms. They didn't come to terms with Ben McLemore. That's uh, that's the latest that I read. Not he's really? not joining the Raptors anymore. What happened? Uh, I guess not, they agreed to a contract. I'm not exactly sure, but last I heard is funny. Just I'm just, <laughs> like, I'm just disappointed. Yeah. Like, but whatever, life goes on. Yeah. But okay. Well, Rudy I mean, signed for two years now. Is it? Yeah, it's a multi-year contract. I think the next year might the second year might be an option. It's an option. Okay, that's still that's still I pretty solid for a guy who came in on sure. a two-way. Yeah, dude, Chris, Chris Boucher. Is gonna be eternally projectable. He's oh, yeah. what, like twenty six right now. He's a lank, long, lanky. Like, is he twenty six? He's twenty six. Really? Yeah. What because, was he doing before this? Because here's the thing. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I don't know if you know Chris Boucher's background, but Montreal kid. He didn't get highly recruited out of college because he started playing basketball like seventeen years old. Yep. So he went to JUCO. He was a JUCO oh, guy okay. for two years, yeah. and then he got he got recruited by Oregon. Okay. So he's a four, yep. like he's a four-year guy. He got. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching him back in Oregon. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was a monster at Oregon. Like, oh, yeah. he, like, um, I think he's the first uh, D one player in in like college basketball history to have like a hundred three point shots made and a hundred blocks in a season. I oh, think that's really? an actual stat. Okay. Um, so <laughs> that's your ESPN fun stat of the day. Take it. <laughs> so, but like, 
that so he came into the league at like 22 he uh he had a really rough leg injury um right before the ncaa playoffs in his senior year um went to golden state now he's with the raptors so like he's 26 and there's a lot that i like with chris boucher mm-hmm. I, I know we shouldn't be talking about chris boucher right now because the raptors got marcus all but just like a quick two it's minutes on shout, chris boucher shout, shout out to the guy. yeah we got to give a shout out to chris boucher he's eternally projectable mm-hmm. I see why the Raptors gambled and gave him that uh, multi-year deal because, like, he's dominating the G League. Yeah. Well, it's it's not much of a gamble. They gave him the minimum, probably. Yeah. So. Okay. Yes. I mean, I, I just mean like they gave him a roster spot. Yeah. Like, yeah. Here's that projectability is there still there because he's a big man. He can shoot. He can. He's a really good rim protector. Yeah. It's like he got. He has to get stronger. Like that's it, the big thing with him. And then on the NBA level, like he's just not strong enough. And like he's twenty six, six ten. You know, like pounds. this is supposed to be like your peak. Yeah. Like if you're not jacked right now, and if you're not strong enough to like handle some of the big men in in the NBA, yeah. like I don't know if it's ever going to come. Like, what are you going to get super jacked by thirty two? I mean, that's no. possible. It's yeah, possible. But I don't want him jacked at thirty two. I want him jacked. Two hundred pounds on the paint, you get pushed around. You know, easily. <clears throat> yeah, and like his shot's not consistent enough for him to be. Just standing out there and shoot threes. Yeah, but yeah, that's it's that's just my two sense. cents on Chris Boucher. But let's get to the NBA trade trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, no more Chris Boucher. Okay. Kevin, <laughs> what did you think about Marcus All? I mean, he's a solid move. Like I was excited to watch the game against the Knicks, but truly disappointed. We'll get to that at the end. Um, it's a win, but whatever. But I I liked what I saw from the small amount of minutes that Gasol got. He was very vocal on the defensive end. I love seeing that. He was calling out shots, asking guys to be where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, he offensively, too, he had a great touch in the post. And I love that. You yeah. can, when, you, when your offense is stagnant and you need a bailout shot, set <coughs> Vita to him in the paint. Mm-hmm. He will get that shot. He's got the size. He will yeah. roll, get that fadeaway shot. And mm-hmm. he's smooth with it, too. I like that. It's a good move for you guys. Okay. Ogie, you said you weren't too happy. Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. I, I'm, I'm on the fence. I, I don't love it. I don't hate it. There are pros and cons. Uh, I can, I, I, I'll quickly sort of, I'll try and be concise. I mean, as for the cons, I, it, to me, it feels like the Raptors made this trade just for the sake of making a trade. I mean, because the Sixers and the Bucks made moves, I, I think Ujiri felt the pressure to sort of do something to sort of keep pace. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the I think the best way that I that's the best way I'd summarize it is the Raptors making a move for the sake of making a move. Um, they needed they needed backcourt playmaking and shooting. That those were their main needs before the trade deadline. They didn't address either of those, and they arguably exacerbated their deficiencies. You know, Wright was a playmaker. CJ Miles was in theory supposed to be your shooter, so they didn't really they didn't really improve in that sense. Uh, Gasol comes with a fat contract. Um, and he has a player option next year, which means that if he buys in, that it's up to him. The Raptors can't do anything about it. If he wants to stay, he'll stay. And it, I think it's like $25 million. Obviously, he's not going get to get that kind of money from anybody else. So mm-hmm. he will buy in, um, which can be problematic depending on the direction the Raptors decide to take. Look, I'm hearing a lot of descriptions too about Gasol being you know, this, this great defensive player, uh, being an all-star. The problem is that I think a lot of these people, you know, in the media who are saying these things haven't watched a single Memphis Grizzlies game this year. He's a former defensive player of the year, about five, six years ago. He's a former all-star. He's 34 years old now. And I know, Richard, I know you like numbers a lot, right? You're a, you're a numbers guy. Marcus Saul has one of the worst plus minuses in the NBA. I mean, the Grizzlies were more effective with Jaron Jackson at the four and either Jermichael Green or Ivan Rabb at the five than they were with Gasol at the five. Now, you know, you could say that has to do with the Grizzlies and the fact that they are a poor team, but that's telling. I think that stat is telling. Mark Gasol is a lot slower than he used to be. Um, He's a good post-up defender. He really, you can't back him down. Um, But his, and he's not a shot blocker either, but his... Where he'll struggle is in the pick and roll, right? When teams sort of bring him out, that's where he'll struggle. And then the final con is I worry about the chemistry issues. I mean, I was surprised that Ibaka started and that Gasol came off the bench in New York. I don't know I don't know what happened tonight. I don't know what the plan is in the future. But, I mean, asking a guy like Gasol to come off the bench, mm-hmm. he's been saying all the right things so far. And, 
you got to wonder, I mean, his whole career he's been a starting center. So now all of a sudden you're asking him to come off the bench. I don't know how he'll react to that. And then same thing with Ibaka, right? He's had a fantastic season, arguably the best of his career. So if Gasol becomes the permanent starting five, I just wonder how that will affect the chemistry. But I guess it's fluid. We'll see. It may be a platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the pros, it's an upgrade over Valanciunas. I mean, I, you have to say that. Valanciunas is younger and cheaper, but Marcus Gasol at this stage is a better player than him. He's a good passer. He has plenty of playoff experience, which, I mean, which could only help. Yeah. I mentioned he's on a player option. Um the, the I guess the thing is, however, is he'll still be on an expiring contract. So, you know, let's say Kawhi leaves. Let's say the Raptors enter a fire sale next year. They could still probably trade him away, um, though they wouldn't get much for him. And the last thing is that they didn't give a whole lot up to get him, right? Mm-hmm. You gave up Val. You gave up Wright, who you weren't planning on re-signing anyway. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, getting rid of CJ Miles' contract is a big deal, too, because he was useless, and I think he was owed something like $8 million, So getting rid of his contract is a good thing. If Gasol buys in, um, and you know, if he starts playing a little bit better now that he's on a better team, now that he's motivated, if he is okay with not starting, and if it doesn't result in any chemistry issues, I think that this could work. But let's not kid ourselves. This isn't some huge upgrade that all of a sudden makes the Raptors that much better. It's 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 a marginal improvement. Okay, like here's here's kind of what my opinion is on the trade. Like I kind of take it in in a vacuum, like what the Raptors gave up and what they got. Um, like you said, there were there were no chance of bringing Delon, Delon right back. There, um, CJ Miles wasn't doing anything right, and I mean in a vacuum, Arkansas is better than JV. Um, JV's not that good in the pick and roll either. He's slow. He's also slow footed. He's a little quicker than Marcus All, but he's slow footed. He doesn't have the same lateral quick, quickness of guys like Serge Ibaka or Pascal Siakam. Not even close. Gasol is a better defender. Um, Marcus Hall is a better passer. Marcus Hall is a better shooter. He has a better outside shot. Um, I get the plus minus stuff, um, but I feel like a lot of that also has to do with kind of the lineup construction in Memphis. Um, but he, the thing with Marcus Hall, I think Marcus Hall is literally just going to be an Jonas Valanciunas in the Raptors lineup, just a better Jonas Valanciunas. Like they're going to play the matchups. That's why I said. Marcus Hall is a really good matchup against a guy like Joel Embiid. Yep. Marcus Hall is not going to be playing. Like, I think the Raptors should just keep their lineup flu- fluid, you know? Like, if the Raptors play against Philadelphia, start Marcus Hall, bench Serge Ibaka. If the Raptors are playing a more, like, athletic, uh, a, a more athletic team. Like a Brooke Lopez. You know? Go, go, sorry? Like a Brooke Lopez, for example, who lives on the perimeter. Yeah. yeah. I would put Marcus Hall in there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I think, I think Ibaka. You've got to go with Ibaka. I'm on Serge Ibaka, yeah, you know? Yeah. So it, it's just fluid. Like, Marcus Hall is going to play, like, 15, 19 minutes a game. Max, that's not a lot. That's but in, in that 15 minutes of time, Nick... Do you, do you think he's okay with that? I think he's okay with it. Yeah. Because Marcus Hall, like, from everything we know about Marcus Hall, is he's a team-first guy. Yeah. He does whatever it takes to win. He doesn't complain. Yeah. Like, dude, if, he, if there were problems, like, he'd be, like, asking to get traded from Memphis three years ago, yeah. right? And he was taking it. You know, like I think, uh, yeah. I look, look, like I said, if he if he's okay with it, if he buy, and and you're right, Gasol does have a great reputation around the league. You know, from fundraisers to you know helping out around the community, he, he's he's a good guy. He genuinely is, and it's yeah. like I said, he has experience exactly. at this stage of his career. Surely, his main priority is winning titles. Yeah. Um. If look, yeah, if he buys in, and and one thing I forgot to mention too is Raptors. Uh, assistant coach is Sergio Spagnolo. He's Gasol's uh, coach for the Spanish national team. Yeah. So he knows him really well, right? He'll know how to implement him and use him. Yeah. It has potential. It yeah. really does. If if he buys into this concept of, you know, yeah. smaller minutes coming off the bench, it could work. But again, I'll preface all that by saying that he, he doesn't <coughs> he doesn't solve the Raptors' deficiencies necessarily. Yeah, but like, which is, which is the thing. But in my mind, like the Raptors... What did they give away? They gave they gave away a certain package. They upgraded. Yeah. They had Jonas Valanciunas. Now they have Marcus Hall. They got better. Well, right. Yeah. They obviously they didn't make that big splash. But yeah. They got tra- better. The trade in itself, it's good. It's a, I give it a good rating for sure. Mm-hmm. But 
trade deadline rating for the Raptors, I don't give it that high because Why? they needed more. You I, need I, more. I think that's because we heard all those rumors of Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal, but like it was no, realistic. it's not even those rumors. It's what what trans uh, what, what transpired in the NBA just recently. You look at Nico Mirotic just reaching over to the box. We need to talk about that. Yeah, I, I, I almost would have preferred Mirotic over uh, Gasol. And and what's crazy about that is I don't know if you guys heard, but the Raptors were literally a deal was on the table. It was going to be a three-team trade. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Raptors, the Pelicans, and uh, I'm not 100%. I think maybe the Magic. I'm not sure. It was a three-team trade, and it was literally everything but finalized. Like it was ready to go last second. Yeah, it didn't work out. That he would have been perfect. He really yeah. would have. Well, I been agree. Mark, you Nikola, never have too many shooters. Nikola Mirotic would have been a perfect fit for the Raptors, and we could have kept uh, Jonas Valanciunas. And yeah, that would have been perfect. Yeah. But like, I mean, it would have been nice to get a guy like Nikola Mirotic or Bradley Beal. But Marcus Salas, it's still an upgrade. Like sure. the Raptors got Jeremy Lin. I know the past few games he hasn't been shooting the three well, but I think he matches up better. With Fred Van Vliet than Delon Wright did. Yeah. Well, he'll be he'll be replacing Van Vliet now. I don't know if you guys heard Van Vliet's going to be out for next month. Yeah, he's yeah. out for a little bit. Yeah, while. I mean, but I, yeah, but I mean, in the playoffs, mm-hmm. in the playoffs, like I think when like Van Vliet is going to be out for, uh, I think it's three weeks. He's going to be back by the playoffs, ideally. I um, think. I'm just saying, you got you got a pretty clutch guy recently. Lin Sanity is a thing. Yeah, he is clutch, uh-huh. and you have the clutch. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I I. I just think by the time the playoffs roll around, yeah, Fred Van Vliet's going to be the primary ball handler coming off the bench. I think Jeremy Lin is really good at playing off the ball. He kind of developed that after leaving New York. I think it just makes more sense for the Raptors and Delon Wright. Like I know Delon Wright is one of their be- he was one of their best defenders, but in my mind, the best defense is to outscore. The, the offense, like yeah, sure. yeah. Hey, look, it goes it goes two ways. Lynn will help on the offensive end, but the, the problem is right when you have him and Van Fleet on the court, that's two undersized guards. Oh, you that you have that you have on the court simultaneously, which can cause a lot of matchup issues. So that, that's my only concern. I don't know how many minutes Lynn will get when mm-hmm. Van Fleet returns, because remember Norman Powell's been arguably the Raptors' best bench player since he came back from injury. Um, OG is there. McCaws is even in the mix too. So yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not convinced that Jeremy Lin's going to be a consistent rotation player for the Raptors off the bench come playoff time. Um, it'll be on a game to game basis. Some games he may play, some games he may not. And here and here's some like little bit of news. Um, just scrolling through my phone, Marquise Morris is receiving interest from the Raptors, the Lakers, and the Rockets. Okay, okay. Morris. Marquise Morris hasn't played in like 30 games. I think he's been hurt. But I mean, he's, Raptors can, he's solid. Yeah. But if yeah, he, oh, yeah. Um, I don't actually know the specifics of his in- injury, but if he comes back and he plays like Marquise Morris can play, yeah, yeah, that's a solid add off the bench. Marquise Morris, yeah, he look, he, he he is a headache. I mean, he's he's, I, kind of, he's kind of a loose cannon. I mean, he has a. I I wouldn't call him a headache. I think Marcus Marquise Morris is the type of guy you want on your team yeah. because if somebody gets. Gets under the skin of your top player, Marquise Morris is going to put you in this place. I think Marquise Morris is kind of like like uh, Matt Barnes Ooh. in a way. Enforcer. Yeah, he's yeah, he's like an enforcer, but like a bit of a better scorer. Yeah. Like Mark Marquise Morris is the guy that everybody hates to face, but if you're if he's your teammate, you you, you just love him, mm-hmm. right? Because he's going to protect you and he's going to do whatever it takes to help your team win. And same thing yeah. with Marcus Morris. And the thing is, if we get Marquise Morris. And say Marquise Morris is hurt in the playoffs and the Celtics get eliminated, like we might as well just like, <laughs> Marquise might just call Marcus uh, Morris over and like they'll just do like a switcheroo and we'll have Marcus mm-hmm. Morris in the lineup. Well, you know, Marcus is not happy apparently. Yeah, we'll yeah. play for the Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um, oh my god, uh, uh, Celtics you, is a whole other story to talk about. Celtics are a mess. They blew a twenty-eight point lead the other day. Yeah, that was crazy. Harry went out. Mm-hmm. And they lost by 11 at the end. That is insane. And Kyrie Irving's hurt now. Yeah. Dude, that's not yeah. – that team doesn't click. <laughs> it fell apart. Like, um, do you guys know who Bill Simmons is? Yeah. yeah. You know Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons said the, the, <laughs> yeah. the winners at the deadline were the Boston Celtics because <laughs> somehow they found a way to make sure that the New Orleans Pelicans didn't trade Anthony Davis. I mean, that's true. No. There has to be a collusion issue there. 
No. <laughs> yeah, but remember though, Davis Davis listed four teams, and it may be smoke. It may be true. I'm not sure, but Davis did say that he he would have no intention of re-signing in Boston. I think that was. Well, I don't know. I think that was. I think his dad mentioned that they were yeah. loyal to Isaiah Thomas. So why would why would my son want to stay there long term? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but like your your son isn't Isaiah Thomas. It's freaking Anthony Davis. No, no, no. But it, it goes to show about a character of a team too. I'm glad that caught up. They got away by screwing over Isaiah Thomas. They didn't screw him over. They screwed that kid. Over. Like in the trade. They, yeah, I think they screwed him over, but by how they misdiagnosed his hip injury. But like, it's a business. You're it's trying to get business. better. I get it. It's a business. Like, you're not screwed over. That, what you as a, as a player, when I see that, I'm like, hey, if something happens to me, I'm just a piece to them. Should, shouldn't you know that either way? No, but that's the thing. You a team has to set up a mirage that there's no you mirage. actually care about the player. There's no mirage. I am sure that dude. If, LeBron's taking people out for dinners. Dude. Magic Johnson was a mentor. Dude. Uh, ben Simmons That's right now. Weird. Yeah, I'm uh, tampering. But th- there are all these things happen. Teams want to kind of appeal to a humane side of players a lot of the times. Just being like, hey, I care about you. Come over to us. We'll take care of you. Not like, hey, the last superstar for us who went to, it took us to the playoffs, played it the day after his sister passed away, threw a hip injury, and still gave uh, put his heart on the floor. Mm-hmm. We, you know, he was just a piece of us afterwards. Yeah. I'm just happy to trade him away. No, as a player, I'm like, no, I don't want to go there. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm going – if I'm a player, I'm going to a team that pays me, one, which the Celtics will obviously do, yeah. and two, a team that's going to do whatever it takes to win. And the Celtics made that move because clearly they'll do whatever it takes to win. And if I'm a player, like, fuck, sign me up. Could I, could I ask you guys a question? Yeah, sure. Of course. So we're, yeah, we're talking about the Celtics here. We've mentioned the 76ers. Yeah. Obviously, talked about the Raptors today. So February eleventh, mm-hmm. how would you guys rank the top of the Eastern Conference? Who's the best team? The second best, third best? Four? How, how would you rank that top four? You, oh my god, Raptors love power rankings. power rankings. Kevin, you go. Okay, first. you want me to start? Okay, yeah. number one on the top, I would put uh, at this point 76ers. Number two, I'm going with Milwaukee Bucks. Number three, I'm going with Toronto Raptors. Number four, I'm going with uh, Boston Celtics. Number five, for some reason, yeah. Indiana Pacers, they, they still have the fight in them. And then nobody else matters in the East. I mean, Chicago Bulls, they're in the bottom. <laughs> Absolutely. Nobody nervous. else matters. Oh, no, I'm, I'll, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that top four. Richard, what do you think? Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still go with Milwaukee, number one, because Milwaukee has the best player yeah. in the East. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody on that team just has a designated role, and they're good at it. So I'll yeah. go there. Number two, the Raptors. Oh. Number three, I'd go with Philly, and number four, I'd say Indiana. Because really? I think we're Indiana. Wow. Yeah, I think really? Indiana. I think Indiana is a sneaky good team. Yeah. And like, we're we're obviously not going to have enough time for this on this podcast. Yeah. But I have this like super crazy theory in my head <laughs> that you don't need a bunch of superstars to be a really really good team. And I think, uh, like, for example, with Indiana, when they lost Victor Oladipo, Victor Oladipo wasn't even their best player. He wasn't – like, he's their best player on paper, but he wasn't playing like it. The guys that are really their best players, there's, like, Bogdanovich. They don't have a best, they don't have a best player. They don't have the best like, player, but the guys playing, playing better well. yeah. are Bogdanovich, Miles Turner, Sabonis. Like Derek Collison has been playing where they Derek has been that playing. Okay. Has been yeah, like they have like a bunch of players. really good role players who, who are just doing their job. Yeah. With Boston, there's just so much clashing of egos. Like Kyrie Irving's hurt right now. Like Marcus Morris is probably fighting half the roster. Like no, see, Marcus Morris is upset because he's seen yeah. other teams when they're having big moments. Yeah, their teammates are jumping up and celebrating. He's not seeing that with this team yeah, apparently. I, I just think Indiana is like a low-key pretty good team. They just got Wesley Matthews, who's another shooter. Yeah. Like I, you, you know, you know what would be ideal from a Raptors perspective? If they got if the Pacers, if the Pacers continue playing the way they've been playing and somehow hold on to the three seed and mm-hmm. the Raptors stay where they are right now at the two seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be that would be amazing, right? Because then the Raptors get the Pacers. You've got to love that matchup, yeah. right? In the second round. Yep. And then you have the Bucks squaring off against either the uh, 76ers or the Celtics. Yep. And then you re- if you're the Raptors, you get by the Pacers and you only have to play one of the other big three teams. I mean, that's that's maybe a little bit far-fetched, right? Everybody probably expects the Pacers to sort of come back down to earth. But as a Raptors, 
as well, a rapper, I mean, if that situation were to come through, that would be, but that I, would be amazing. What do you mean by come down to earth? Like the Pacers have been, how many games have there been? Like 57, 55 games already? Right. And like, yeah. I mean, I mean, since the Oladipo injury, they've yeah. been, they've, uh, they've won fourth grade, I think, actually, they're playing good ball. Yeah, but you have to think, look, the 76ers are going to, are going to finish above the Pacers, in my opinion. Yes. And if the Celtics figure it out, they will as well. But if they don't, then you got to love where you're at for the Raptors. Like, I just don't see it with the Celtics. Like, Hayward hasn't been playing really well. Yeah. They haven't really been able to find a good fit with him. Um, like, no, it's Tate, just- I don't think Tatum really took a next step, next big step forward. Like, there's still a lot of isolation basketball with Kyrie. Like, there's a lot of egos just like in that locker room. I don't know. Like, there's something with the Celtics that just isn't right, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, to me, I think Indiana's a better team because in the modern NBA, like, they do whatever you like. What they're missing is a bunch of really good players mm-hmm. because, um, like, right now, they have a lot of good role players who are doing their job. And the reason people aren't taking them seriously is because they don't have that star. And I think you have to take them seriously because they're they're playing really well. They won five in a row. They don't have Oladipo. They just got Wesley Matthews. Like they're they they have a lot of depth on that team. They don't have star, but they have a lot of depth. And Nate McMillan, he's a pretty solid. Nate McMillan, he's a pretty solid, solid coach. coach. Nate McMillan, yeah, he's a coach of the year candidate for sure. Yeah. Um, like I think, um, I still think there's a very defined elite in the east and that's milwaukee is toronto and it's philadelphia oh, and brooklyn. then <laughs> no uh, not brooklyn um brooklyn's actually beating the raptors i know i'm saying leave leave for a reason um but I, I just think in a seven game series there's just three teams and then there's everyone else was that fair to say oh yeah the the east is top heavy for sure i mean you got look i mean i, I personally think the celtics will figure out there's too much talent on that team for them to not mm-hmm. um but it looked yeah the 76ers the raptors the bucks it's they're they're all right there it's you're really splitting hairs i mean it could go in a seven game series it, it could go either way so it'll it's yeah the east is going to be exciting man holy smokes you know it really really sucks the golden state warriors are still going to win the oh, NBA sure. that's, that's what i'm saying don't try uh, guys guys don't try this year there's no point Stop trying! Stop trading away your picks. Yeah, I'm just gonna piss on. <laughs> I'm just gonna piss on everybody's parade right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, life sucks. Why can't we have pretty things? Like, why can't we have anything nice? Because yeah, you're not in Golden State. Yeah, you're not in the Sun Valley, dude. Yeah. No, but uh, realistically, for Boston, I think the biggest problem is that they don't know their roles. You have a lot of guys who are super talented who's willing to go out there and put an A plus, an A plus performance, but it's individual performance, yeah. not a team performance, and that sucks. I saw this interview with uh, Tracy McGrady. He was talking about back in the Rockets days where Jeff Van Gundy used to sit them down and he would tell each of them their roles in front mm-hmm. of the teammate. Mm-hmm. Said, you're no, or your role is not to score. Your role is to grab boards. You tell the other guy, your role is to set screens. Your role is to block. Your role is to score. Yep. He would break it all to them. But I think that's what they need to do with these players. Like, we need to sit yeah. down. Like, yeah. and, and I think it, it goes sometimes less is really more. Yes, right. you, you could add three new all stars to your team. You could add three amazing offensive players to your team, but if if you don't sort of have the right balance, then mm-hmm. you're not going to get anywhere. It, it's it's going to do more harm than it is good. The Celtics were amazing. Remember in the playoffs last year? They took the Cavs to seven games without Hayward, without Irving. Why? Because, like you said, everybody knew their roles, right? Yeah. Tatum Tatum was a scorer. Brown was a scorer. You had facilitators off the bench. Everybody mm-hmm. knew their roles. You add Irving this year. You add Hayward. Things, yeah, things get a little bit more complicated. Will they figure it out? I mean, time will tell. Yeah, and yeah, that's that's really the big thing. It's all about knowing knowing your roles. And when I look at it, Milwaukee, everybody knows their roles. Yep. Raptors, everyone knows their roles. Mm-hmm. Philly, they still have some figuring out to do, but uh, you, know, you know, they they have two stars <laughs> that have been added to two other stars. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. So here's the thing: we're gonna wrap this one up. Next week, oh, All Star breaks coming up. Okay, um, I don't even know who's who's in the slam dunk contest other than Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, um, but neither does anybody else. <laughs> um, we're gonna so next week we're gonna do some All Star recap. Yes, we're gonna talk. We gotta talk about Rudy Gobert not being an All Star. Okay, because that made me cry. 
I mean, and about how people are going at him for crying. We need to address that too. I cried. Yeah, I cried with him. Cool. I cried. I mean, Draymond Green. He's he's. How does anybody like that guy? He's guy. nobody. What, <laughs> nobody likes that guy. His well, mom. exactly. I mean, he's like him. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, anyways, guys, we gotta wrap this one up. It's oh, been fun. Uh, the Raptors are gonna get to the NBA Finals. We're gonna get swept by the uh, Golden State Warriors, and then we're all gonna cry about it, except for Kevin, the know, Chicago Bulls fan. We come so, in ten years. There we go. Well, <laughs> until next week. Take care, guys. See you, everybody. <laughs>